electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Market Moving Insight and Analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer, David Faber. Pre-market is under some pressure as uh, Dow futures down about more and more than 1%. We kick off a busy but holiday-shortened week. Uh, the Moderna vaccine, this U.K. variant, a congressional stimulus, all part of the puzzle this morning. And we will talk to the Treasury Secretary in just a few moments from now about those very topics. Jim, although we're well off the early morning lows at these levels... We'd be looking at the biggest Dow drop since about the end of October. Rather extraordinary, because if you put yourself uh, in a wayback machine to say Friday afternoon, uh, you might not have thought that we'd had a stimulus, but we got it. Uh, the buybacks for the uh, banks that were allowed and a very big surprise by the Fed after the close moved those stocks at big. And uh, the earnings last week and the earnings on Friday night, uh, Nike, really rather extraordinary, showing strength uh, among the consumer around the world. So, uh, obviously, this uh, strain is a uh, new strain, which we don't know much about at all. And as far as I'm concerned, may be not that much different than because we're not hearing how it's more transmissible. It's just a black box. Not that crazy, but that is making uh, people panic. And, and, David, when people panic, what do they do? They sell all stocks. They sell the S&P, regardless of uh, what the uh, new transmissibility means. Does it uh, matter that some would view the market as fairly rich and therefore people who might otherwise think differently are saying, well, what's the harm in selling now because I've had a great year and I'm looking at multiples that I didn't expect to see? Well, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, of uh, there's been a surprisingly little amount of profit taking, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, do we get a cross current, Carl, today where we say, you know what, back to the lockdown stocks. Let's go back to software. Let's go back to work at home. Uh, people aren't going back to the office if this is a trans transmissibility issue, because I think that the bosses will be afraid until we know more. Uh, and how come the U.K. Uh, people are still allowed to come here versus, say, China? Uh, I, I find that this U.K. situation is, I don't want, it, it's deeply concerning to the market. And if it weren't here, we would have a market that, unlike what, they, what David just hinted, a, a lot of profiting, Carl, because I think people would say, Christmas rally, let's stay in. Yep. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll watch the developments closely, Jim. Uh, uh, Dr. Gottlieb this morning saying it probably at this point does not look like it's going to slip past the vaccines. We know the vaccines are going to have to adapt just like the flu vaccine does every couple of years. Although uh, Prime Minister Johnson is going to give a press conference later on today, says the new variant has been found in Gibraltar and Denmark and Australia. And it's it's more about the policymakers response, Jim, right, and, and the degree to which they would start restricting travel, at least in the EU. Yeah, look, I mean, when you see the stocks that are down, down a lot of these are so-called lockdown stocks. Uh, people don't travel, uh, so the airlines go down. Uh, people don't. Uh, there was a lot of hope that the cruise ships would be ready to go very soon. Uh, if this new strain is caught by PCR and we continue to test, 
uh, and the vaccine comes, then I think that we're overreacting to the downside. But I think, uh, David, what you just said is, you know what, could there have been a bigger run in these cruise ships without the cruise ships having any money come in? Uh, could there be a bigger run in the airlines without much travel coming back? We listen to Phil LeBeau, and uh, we see a lot of empty planes. So I think that what we end up with, frankly, uh, is a belief, a too positive belief, uh, based on uh, the number of vaccines that are getting out there. I'm not seeing a lot. You know, I, I, I was a bull on more vaccines. Uh, it's hard to be a bull right now on the vaccines. They just don't see enough. What do you mean? What, what do you mean? Well, I mean, like when you listen to, they don't know. Do the people over sixty-five? Do it go to the teachers? Does it go to the restaurant workers? Oh, so you're it, just talking about the distribution itself doesn't right. appear as uh, as uh, well executed as you'd like to. No, so chaotic. Far. How about that? Yeah. And then, uh, Secretary, well, Dr. Gottlieb talks a lot about today about something that you've talked about: the therapeutics. Mm -hmm. The therapeutics are just where are they? Yeah. They're in the closet. Well, unfortunately, I mean, we know the Lilly and the Regeneron monoclonal antibodies are not being used. No. And then, obviously, there are ones being developed by the likes of Merck, but it takes time. Yep. Well, I'd like to rush it. But anyway, we've got some good news. Yep. The $900 billion. Joining us now, Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, uh, to talk about the big stimulus that otherwise is being overlooked, I think. Mr. Secretary, always good to, to talk to you. Maybe, Always good to be with you, Jim. Maybe our last time, so we've got to take a little perspective, too. But this stimulus package comes uh, at a much different time than the last stimulus bill. Uh, how does this bill adjust to the fact that we really are in a much better world for jobs uh, and for the economy than last time? Well, we're definitely in a much better position, and there's no question the, the first bill, the CARES Act, uh, is the reason why we're here today and the economy has continued to rebound. But as you and I have talked about before, there are still parts of the economy that are particularly hard hit. As you know, we've been working on for months uh, additional money for those parts of the economy, and we couldn't be more pleased that we got this done in time for the end of the year. Uh, the president wanted direct payments, so we will be sending out next week direct deposit. I expect we'll get the money out by the beginning of next week. $2,400 for a family of four, so much-needed relief just in time for the holidays. We also have extensions of the PPP. You know how important this has been, Jim, to small business, particularly restaurants. So not only are we recycling $140 billion that's been sitting there that we've been waiting for approval, but uh, we have substantial other money, so over $325 billion targeted for small business. Uh, much more directed. Congress also agreed to reinstate the tax deductibility on the PPP expenses, so that'll be additional relief for small business. And I think, as you know, the president is particularly concerned about restaurants, so we restored the deductibility of meal expenses uh, for business people. So we couldn't be more pleased. It took us too long to get here, but as we've said before, this is about kids and jobs and vaccines. Now, uh, earlier on our air, uh, Senator Toomey said, wait a second, on the 600, that there are 93 percent of the people are employed in this country, and a lot of those people are going to get $600, and whether that's fair or whether it should go to people only who don't have jobs. Well, I, I think, as you know, the, the good news is this is a very, very fast way of getting money into the economy. And again, let me emphasize that people are going to see this money the beginning of next week. So it's very fast. Uh, 
It's money that gets recirculated in the economy. So people go out and spend this money, and that helps small business, and that helps getting more people back to work. Now, you're right. The good news is unemployment has come way down. So I think, as you know, you know, we were worried about you know, something like a Great Depression again earlier in the year. But this is now much more targeted. Uh, I expect it's needed in a, in a short period of time. And I think this will take us through the recovery. And, and let me just say, I'm going to push back. I, I heard your comments on vaccine distribution. Uh, I think the Department of Defense and HHS has a, a fabulous plan. This Project Warp Speed that the president invested literally billions and billions of dollars in early on has really paid off. And there's no difference. That there's, there's just a huge difference of, of where we are now versus where we were earlier in the year. All right. So uh, and I understand that. And I think uh, Warp Speed has done amazing things. I'm on record saying that. Uh, how do the people in the small businesses actually get this money? Is it the same system as last time? Uh, and what do you do about the ones that uh, didn't make it? Secretary Mnuchin, a lot of them just didn't make it to uh, to now. Well, you're right. Unfortunately, that's that that is unfortunate. And uh, you know, we've said our job is not done until we get everybody back to work, and that's what this is about. Uh, it is a similar distribution as last time for the PPP. There'll be some additional programs also set up that are targeted. Um, let me just say, in the PPP, uh, if businesses are down 25 percent, they'll be able to get a second check. Uh, we also added employer retention tax credits uh, up to $10,000 per quarter per person. This is a very, very big incentive for small business as well. And uh, I, I expect this is going to have a much-needed big impact. And uh, in the PPP, also additional money, particularly for hotel and food services that have been hard hit. Mr. Secretary, it's David Faber. Uh, you, we've spoken in the past, of course, about the back and forth about direct aid to state and, and uh, municipalities. That's not a part of this bill, but they are going to be able to potentially use existing money in different ways. Uh, and I think there is at least some aid going to some of these uh, uh, transportation authorities. Can you tell us a bit more in terms of how, if you're not giving direct aid, it is potentially going to at least help maybe stabilize some budgets a bit? Well, as, as you said, there's, there's no question about that. I mean, first of all, let me just say we have a lot of money going to schools. We have over $80 billion going to schools. We want to make sure that kids can get back to school safely as appropriate, and that, that is an expense typically of the states. Uh, the money that we sent to the states last year, we gave them another year to use that money. And again, that was for COVID-related expenses. Uh, we're we're spending a lot of money on vaccine and distribution so that everybody gets the vaccine free and we get it to people. So there is not money to make up for revenue loss, but there is plenty of other money. And, and let me just say, you know, places like California are having record tax revenues uh, because of the capital gains associated with uh, the great market recovery. Uh, Mr. Secretary, one thing that I'm trying to get a, a, a line on is some of these uh, think groups that got money uh, that I think people are going to be concerned about uh, live entertainment, uh, local newspapers and broadcasters. I presume that I'm not a beneficiary of that, but that's always worth asking airline payrolls. Uh, these all seem kind of catch as catch can. Now, your interest had always been small business and business interruption insurance. Uh, I don't understand how these particular live entertainment, local newspapers, how did that get in? Well, 
Jim, as, as you know, in any time getting a deal over the finish line, there's, there's a lot of compromise that is needed. So, you know, this overall bill, I think, is, is fabulous. The airlines, uh, there was broad, broad bipartisan support for airlines. I think, you know, if we hadn't given money before and give additional money, we'd have no airline industry. So we really need to keep the airlines available so that when the economy bounces back and people can travel, they're there. Uh, airline workers have been hit at no fault of their own. Uh, there is some money for what's called small venues. Uh, again, these venues have been shut down due to new, no fault of their own. But as you said, this is a, a large bill and uh, has a little bit of everything in it for everybody. You, uh, for renters, uh, can you discuss how this is going to keep people in apartments, one in four homes, one in five do rent? Uh, how does uh, you calculate what rent is and how do these people apply for this aid? Jim, as you know, uh, you know there, there's lots of things the president and I would have done much earlier when literally we had hundreds of billions of dollars that we just couldn't spend, and, and rent was one of them. The president did put together a moratorium to help those that were especially hard hit. Uh, but this is a much better program. This is now rental assistance. It'll be channeled through the states. Uh, the states are much better at executing this than having another federal program. And it will be much needed relief for, again, very targeted to the people who really, really need it. Secretary, uh, Jim and I have spent a lot of time and Carl talking uh, over these last nine months about the fate of restaurants uh, and, I mean, how important they are to our overall economy. Some of the numbers are mind-boggling, what, $900 billion or so, and so many people employed and or employed in adjunct industries that service those restaurants. So what do you tell the small restaurant owner right here about what this bill is going to be able to do for them in terms of helping them keep the doors open, particularly if they're relying, for example, here in New York on only outdoor dining right now during cold months? Well, you're right. People don't realize how big the restaurant industry really is as, as an employer. And it, and it tends to be very small businesses, but very large employment. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of restaurants had to shut down. They just couldn't make it. There were people who were waiting for the second PPP check and just couldn't last long enough. But the good news is for those businesses that did last, th this is going to be the needed relief to get them through next year through the vaccine. And as you said, we have areas of the country where you have to eat outdoors. We have areas of the country where you can't even eat outdoors. I, I must say, uh, you know, listening to the medical professionals, I, I do think outdoor dining with proper social distancing and people wearing masks to and from the restaurants uh, is something that I think in many places people can do. But you're right, the restaurant industry is particularly hard hit. And again, Congress decided to restore the deductibility. So that's uh, of, of both meals as well as the expenses that restaurants had. So that's, that's additional tax relief to those small businesses. Uh, Mr. Secretary, this restaurant money was something you cared about tremendously uh, and felt at a certain point maybe the Fed's money well, could go back to you and Congress. Uh, did you get any resolution on 13.3 on, on what it meant for small businesses? We did, Jim. And, and let me just say, uh, you know, the Treasury and the Fed really worked together in, in an incredible way through this crisis. And, and if you go back to March, 
when the entire economy was shut down, both the Fed on monetary policy and the Fed working together with the Treasury on the 13-3 facilities uh, were instrumental in opening up the lending markets that were completely shut down. I think you may recall the initial facilities were opened uh, by Fed Chair Powell and me using money that we had in the Exchange Stabilization Fund. Uh, that was a kind of a, a, a way we were able to do it quickly. And those funds now are very clear in law that the original facilities can still be used in an emergency. I think, you know, Congress entrusted me with $500 billion. It was an extraordinary responsibility. Uh, many of the Democrats at the time referred to this as my slush fund. Um, and as you know, the mere announcement of those facilities opened up the markets. So we took $250 billion. We, we used it to announce additional Fed facilities. We made direct airline loans. But the majority of the money we never spent. Uh, matter of fact, of all the Fed facilities, I think we did about $25 billion in gross lending. So this really worked. What happened was the mere announcement unlocked the private markets. The private markets took over. Uh, there was $429 billion that I had that, uh, you know, I prudently wanted to recycle for other things. And that's what we agreed to do and to areas of the economy that need it, small businesses, kids, schools, uh, and, and other important things. And the Fed still has very significant uh, allowable activities with the Treasury going forward. But some of the super emergency facilities uh, would have to go back to Congress. And, and by the way, this is no different than after the financial crisis in Dodd-Frank. The Fed used to be able to lend directly to any one company. And Congress said, no, we, we want you to come back if you need that in the future. So I think this was a very good compromise and was key to unlocking the deal. Okay, let me ask you, in our world, uh, $600 to individuals, I have Robin Hood on tonight. Uh, they would tell you a massive amount of that money went to them. I mean, there's no really restrictions on those $600. There are a lot of people, a lot of younger people who uh, invested it. You, nothing wrong with that. But it, should it have been more targeted at, at, to certain, uh, let's say, food? I mean, like food stamps. How do you feel about maybe the unintended consequences of people investing? Jim, first, let me just say there, there is money for uh, nutrition, food, as you said, and agriculture support in here. There's money for child care. There's even money for broadband to make sure that kids have access to, to broadband. Uh, there's money in the provider relief fund for more medical programs. Uh, again, the effective part about the direct payments is they get into the economy very quickly. As you said, you can't target them. But the fact that we can get this much money into the economy in one week, uh, let me tell you, I spoke to many CEOs who saw their business kind of the minute that money came into the bank account, they saw their, their business increase. And if some people who had extra money uh, were fortunate enough to invest in the stock market at 18 or 20,000, they're, they're doing pretty well today. Absolutely true. We all watch the tape. Uh, on another topic, there was a hack uh, from SolarWinds, and I'm trying to figure out how bad it really is. Treasury apparently was hacked uh, in communications. And at the same time, I'm not sure what, how smart the Russians are, or did some of these companies, uh, including SolarWinds, just not have the right software, and it could have been stopped. 
Jim, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit careful in what I say because obviously I, I have access to the information that we're not yet ready to disclose that is classified information. But let me just say uh, I've been very focused for the last four years on cyber issues. This has been a big focus of the administration. And within Treasury, we have a large group uh, that is focused for cyber. Actually, it's, it's led by a, a former general. Uh, and we, we have much needed resources in working and protecting the financial industry. Um, as it relates to this program, as we've disclosed, uh, the, the Treasury, uh, as a result of some third-party software, the, and again, this is the unclassified systems. At this point, we, we do not see any break-in into our classified systems. Our unclassified systems did have some access. Uh, I, I will say the good news is there's been no damage, uh, nor have we seen any large amounts of information displaced. Um, I think, as you know, in this day and age where everything is connected, uh, the issue of cybersecurity is very, very important, and th this is something that we will be continue to be focused on. But uh, we are we are working with the National Security Council, we're working with the intel agencies, and and I can assure you, we are completely on top of this. And uh, any communications with uh, soon to be Secretary Treasury uh, Janet Yellen, whom I know you've always had a good relationship with. Um, I have. I've spoken to her several times. I think, as you know. Uh, we worked very closely uh, when she was Fed chair for the first year, so uh, I, I know her very well, and we had that relationship. We are cooperating with the transition team, and I've had several direct sessions with her to tell her about uh, many of the, the Treasury priorities and what needs to be done. All right, Mr. Secretary, uh, we've always enjoyed working with you. Uh, certainly, of course, happy birthday. That does matter. Pleasantries. Thank you. And uh, thank you for all of your um, informing, informing uh, I'd say, uh, enlightening, because it's always been terrific to learn more about what you're doing for small business, what you're doing for so many people who have, been, who have lost their jobs. So uh, with that, I wish you the best of luck, sir. Thank you. It was a great birthday present for me to have Congress pass this today. Yep. Don't blame you at all. I think that's right. Uh, Carl, back to you. All right, guys. A lot to get to this morning, including some upgrades of Walmart and Microsoft. Uh, we'll talk some bank buybacks, Nike earnings, Tesla S&P, and we'll see if this gap down gets bought as futures have trimmed their losses by more than half. Back in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration. Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. All right, let's get to a mad dash as we uh, count you down. Two minutes till we get to the opening bell. Of course, the market is looking to open lower. Uh, Microsoft, though, I'm not sure how that's looking this morning. Yes, now this is the kind of stock that is the key to the market, David. It's an upgrade today from Citi. Very well thought of, which is about the notion of uh, Azure uh, at an inflection point, going to start doing much, much better. Favorable numbers where it counts. But the reason why I really like this call, this has been uh, a stalwart that is not outrageously overvalued, that is doing a lot of things. This is Sadia Nadella. Um, so if you see this stock turn, David, after an obviously sloppy opening, what you're going to be able to say is, you know what, 
the tech names that let us out of the uh, what was a very serious point in terms of the economy are going to do it again. And you shouldn't throw out all stocks. Look at how these companies that do so well when we're uh, locked down uh, have performed. And I, obviously, we shudder when we hear lockdown, but Microsoft was a big winner back then. It was. I mean, yeah, I, I shudder when I hear you say lockdown again, because it seems hard to imagine in some ways, given the vaccine is getting put into people's arms right now. Right. Well, look, maybe, I mean, has anyone said it, it, it's almost you, you have to be careful about negligence. But has anyone said that perhaps this strain in the U.K., David, uh, is not as uh, transmittable and there's just something wrong with the U.K.? Uh, or that perhaps uh, uh, what is ha- well, we got to try to figure it out. I mean, what can I give it to you from a further distance? Does it go 12 feet instead of six? I feet? know we have no idea. No, I, I don't know anything. I don't I don't know that we know anything. And I'm not sure what's been written. Carl, so we sell until we point. find out. Is yeah, that what we do. I guess that's what's happening today. Right. Seems wrong to me. Well, uh, the, the European Medicines Agency, by the way, Jim, which just gave conditional OK to the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine. Uh, says there's no nothing, no, no evidence to suggest that the vaccine won't work against the new variant. But to your point, very little of uh, this uh, higher transmissibility has been put on paper. So we're going to wait to see if we get that. At the NYSE today, Southwestern Energy doing the honors. At the NASDAQ, it's Open Door Technology, uh, a, a digital platform for residential real estate. And with that, Jim, we did get a final bounce in the futures right before the bell. Look, I, I have to tell you that when I saw them go down big, I was trying to figure out how you could drive the $900 billion package the Secretary talked about, incredible numbers for the banks and the buybacks that extends to you know, regionals and nationals. And, and then Nike was such a great quarter, saying so much good. And then i got to tell you, Carl, I mean, I, I remember that there were so many stocks that did well in a period where uh, things were terrible. And what I come back to is perhaps something could be related to Tesla. Tesla is now a big part of the S&P. Tesla goes down a lot. The S&P can actually be moved by that. So let's not forget, if Tesla turns around, I think, again, that the S&P could get a little oomph. I am not willing to give up on this market because of a 70% number in the U.K., where the U.K. has been particularly, uh, let's just say, absent in terms of the way it's handled this. So we can all... um, Take every single cue we want from the U.K., Carl, or we can take our cue from some of the companies that are going to be doing quite well here. Uh, To your point about Tesla, Jim, uh, it's now 1.6 percent of the S&P. 150 billion changes hands on Friday. Also replaces Occidental in the S&P 100. Um, And we're going to talk to Phil LeBeau in a couple moments about uh, how it's going to affect the index overall. Look, uh, the oil stocks have been bellwethers. Uh, When the oils went up, Dave, what happened is that was the signal to get out of the traditional software and tech names and go into the industrials. It'll be interesting to see whether the decline in the airlines, but most particularly the decline in oil, uh, may mean that that trade's over. And we have to revert to what we were buying before, which is the stay-at-home stocks, the Zooms. Yeah, although unclear exactly how long that will last. But your point's an important one. I mean, energy did very, very well. Leader. Uh, uh, But long term, it's not what a lot of funds want to own. It's not necessarily going to be a core part of a portfolio for a long period of time. And as we pointed out many times, of course, given the ESG mandates that are applying to more and more pools of assets these days, it becomes even more difficult to find sort of a shareholder base for some of these names, or at least an expanding shareholder base. Couldn't agree more. But let's hear from Phil, because Phil's got what I hope is some good news about the airlines, but I don't know. 
So, yeah. And then in terms of Tesla, I, I think that a lot of good things happen with Tesla, Carl. Maybe Phil has a contrary view or knows more than I do. Yeah. No, no. Well, I, I, think, I, think uh, interesting, I think you might Jim, be right. Carl, I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I, Go I, ahead, I, in response to, to what Jim was saying in terms of, you know, uh, with Tesla and whether there are good things coming, there's no shortage of people out there who believe that there are a number of catalysts in the future when it comes to Tesla. Look at their annual sales. Uh, we're going to hear about those the first couple of days of January for the year, current year. And the and projection is 500,000 vehicles. Look, if they come in at 485,000, 490,000, do I think the stock is going to sell off? No. But I do find this interesting, Jim. We had our data team leading up to this, uh, this day with the inclusion in the SP. 500. We asked the data team, how volatile has Tesla's stock been in the last year in terms of its daily volatility, the price change, relative to everybody else in the S&P 500? Look at this. Far more volatile, 5.69%. In fact, there's only 20 stocks in the S&P 500 that were more volatile than Tesla. The average volatility, 3.37%. Oh, and one other thing, guys, we heard from Elon Musk this morning. No, he's not doing interviews. He's not talking about being included in the S&P 500, but he did communicate the way we hear from him almost always via Twitter. Sent out a tweet, I think about 45 minutes ago. This is rather humble for Elon. Thanks to everyone who worked so hard to make Tesla successful. My heart goes out to you. So as we watch Tesla, I know there are people saying, well, are we going to hear more from Elon? I don't think we hear much from him for a while. Well, I mean, Phil, if we, if, following up on what you said in terms of the team, you know that the big movers in the S&P have always been tech. It's always been Fang. Uh, yeah. This is the first non-traditional tech stock that could really move this market, couldn't it? It could. It could. And look, you listen to Gene Munster and Loop Ventures. He believes that there are more catalysts on the tech side, whether you're looking at software innovation, some of the things that they're doing away from the purely automotive aspects of, of Tesla. Uh, and there are many people who agree with that. Having said that, Jim, there's a nice counter argument out there about the increased competition that is coming. Volkswagen's ID4 is doing well in Europe. Does that continue? Because it is slowing down uh, Tesla sales, at least within the last quarter or so in Europe. What happens in China? There's greater competition there. And then, of course, we know that here in the United States, I mean, there really hasn't been any competition. That's going to change over the next two or three years. Phil, on the airlines, uh, we just talked to the Treasury Secretary yep. about that, uh, that payroll reimbursement going to the industry. I mean, we still hear from people who say over 10 years as an industry, they spent nine-tenths of their free cash right. flow on buybacks. But at, at, at this moment, it is necessary. It is necessary. And what's interesting, Carl, is this. People are, I've already heard from people this morning who have said, this is not fair. The airlines got a bailout. This is not a bailout. This is money that is strictly going towards payroll support. So there's more than 32,000 employees, a lot of them flight attendants, but also some pilots and others within airlines who were furloughed starting uh, after October 31st. Um, so what happened? Those people who were furloughed will now be brought back and paid by their airlines through March 31st. I think the more interesting question, guys, is what happens comes March 31st. Do you think that there's going to be enough work enough business, so to speak, that the airlines keep these people employed? Or do the airlines have to sit there and say, now look, we're still really low on terms of passengers. I mean, do, do we bite the bullet and say we're going to keep these people paid? We're going to pay for these people to stay on the payroll? 
even though we may not have the business there? That's going to be the next question that comes in March. Uh, Phil, I, I hesitate to do this. I don't try to put out this is, but uh, Elon Musk tweeted something that was, um, I, I guess, pro-Bitcoin uh, this week, uh, weekend, uh, talking, and it was a Michael Saylor comment as an executive saying that perhaps he should convert the, the Tesla balance sheet from U.S. dollar to Bitcoin. Uh, this is an endorsement, I guess, that, the, that Elon retweeted it. This would be rather revolutionary. It, 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 people talking about this? I haven't heard a lot of discussion about this. Uh, this is one of those Elon retweets that people will, may look at and say, come on, does he really want to do this? I mean, you, you guys have talked about Bitcoin. You're far more versed in the challenges uh, that surround Bitcoin uh, as it works its way into uh, the economy than I am. But, but I think it would be really a very interesting move. So it's hard to read whether or not, look, sometimes Elon retweets stuff and you never hear about it again. Other times he retweets it and it, it takes off. Phil, uh, a lot on your on your beat, man. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. You bet. Good to see you. Phil DeBeau uh, joining us this morning. Uh, Jim, Nike all-time high. Goldman, year-and-a-half high. J.P. Morgan, a nine-month high. All, all of those names are the uh, top performers on the Dow at the moment. It's very interesting. Nike, when it reported, a lot of people felt because it reported Friday evening, perhaps they wanted to hide something. I, that was... That was completely wrong. This is Mark Parker and John Dono. But I think it's interesting is the stock went up $4 and then came down to only a couple bucks. And then when people heard the conference call, they recognized, once again, direct-to-consumer is so important with Nike. Goldman's is related to the buyback, uh, the, the surprise buyback by the Treasury. I mean, sorry, by the Fed. I have to tell you, J.P. Morgan was up 6 on, on Friday, uh, we have to watch those. David, you know, when you get stocks that are up this big when the market's down, they tend to go up even higher if the market turns. Well, all the banks are, are having a very good uh, session so far, eight minutes in right now, as you point out. J.P. Morgan, which announced what, a $30 billion buyback, a reauthorization. I mean, a new right. $30 billion. They're not buying it all back in one day. But they are uh, obviously going to be aggressively buying back their stock, at least that much of it over time. But all of them are up. Bank America's up as much, if not more. Goldman Sachs, uh, Morgan Stanley. So that's just a broad response, I guess, to the stimulus or the relief package in some way. And, and what else, Jim? Well, I mean, let's say uh, a signal from the Fed that these banks really are much better capitalized. But I want to see how do these regionals that have not come back at all, will they benefit from it? And then, Carl, when we see the banks, it's a huge chunk of the market. They've been terrible. If it, again, if it had not been for this strain in Britain to have new leadership in this market, which would be the banks, which would say, hey, you know what? A diversified portfolio does quite well here. And this group, like a Morgan Stanley that we have forever thought was undervalued, finally getting its due. Mm -hmm. So, Carl, mm -hmm. when I see these, I say to myself, you know what? Here's a sector of the market that's been left behind. Maybe it's ready to advance to yeah. $600 from uh, people coming right. in, like a Morgan Stanley with the changed complexion of uh, Money with small in. investors. Yeah. Yeah, Morgan Stanley. Speaking I of mean, uh, Morgan yeah. Stanley, guys, yeah. uh, Mike Wilson's note this morning, uh, Jim, saying financials may be the next momentum pile-on, and it will likely pay to be early here. His point largely uh, is that it's got to get out of the vice grip of that 10-year yield. Yeah, well, it had been pretty jet-like, and uh, to see David uh, uh, kind of a, a win for the banks and win for the jets, I don't know, is it synonymous? Meaning it happens once in a season? Exactly. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs>
possible. Hey, a win's a win. And as a long time, I'm long-suffering, of course, that goes with being a Jets fan. It's still nice to see a win. Enough with all this, oh, they're not going to get Trevor Lawrence stuff. Sometimes you just got to actually win, right, Jim? I mean, the object is to win the game. Nah. And if we got Trevor Lawrence, he would be terrible anyway. When he goes to some other team, he'll be amazing. So, I agree. You know, it doesn't matter. A W is a W. We can't like win, that. right? We can't win for losing. Uh, uh, um, but uh, maybe, maybe it's short-lived. You know, I do. You mentioned Morgan Stanley and the fact that it has had a re-rating in the stock market and it sort of diverged from the rest of the group because it is much more of an asset manager than anything else at this point, of course, than the purchase of E-Trade. It's up 31% this year. Its market value is very close to that of Citi's. Uh, Jim, and it, you know it's far, far ahead of, of its one-time competitor, Goldman Sachs, where we always watch the two of them very closely. Well, I mean, it's it's finally happened. I mean, uh, yeah. James Gorman has been saying over and over again, Carl, that the fact that his bank, so to speak, or brokerages lumped him with the others, uh, just is untrue. So uh, they're just such a different complexion. Uh, J.P. Morgan is down 11 percent this year. I mean, so y- you've got Citi down substantially. Uh, so when I come back and say, you know what, it worked. He, he, the, he's broken free of the group. Yep. And, and that matters tremendously because when you, a lot of people feel you can never break, you can never change your stripes. No. The stripes were changed here. It and, took a while, but it did. And the E-Trade deal obviously <laughs> helped a lot in ways that they perhaps had not even imagined when they signed that deal, of course. No. Given, as we've said, this emergence of this new group of, uh, of investors, so City to speak. down 23 yeah, 20, 24% for the year, yeah. Um, and, Talk of course, Wells Fargo is still down 45% for well, the year, Jim. But Charlie Scharf is starting to do amazing things. I mean, in terms of selling off businesses and, and cleaning up the, I'd say, the culture there. Mm-hmm. But, David, let's go back to what the Treasury Secretary said. Okay. There's no limit on what you can do with the 600 I have Robin. Six hundred dollars per person. Yeah, for I have seventy-five Robin. people earning seventy-five thousand or less, right? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. a lot make of these people point. have jobs. Yes. Okay, and this is exit. Now, look, there's so many people who are poor. The six hundred puts food on the table. Yeah, but there are also many people, David, who will open accounts at Robinhood, mm-hmm. uh, ADE Trade, and participate in the stock market in a way you were reading some uh, interesting stocks. Oh, yeah, I was went back to my old Internet. I actually called it Internet Tales. You know, I have these filing cabinets. Who's Vlad Tenev? Oh, Robin Hood. He's coming on with you later. Yes. That's well, I just think that there's an issue of suitability when you hear the stocks that people really got gaffed on, David. Yeah, I, I went back, Jim, because right? of our recent conversations about a, a level of speculation in the market that we think in some ways is reminiscent, though not re- completely identical at all, but reminiscent of what we saw in the late 90s. And I went back to some of my files, which, uh, which I keep uh, under lock and key here at CNBC, and just looking at some of the names that were down 90-plus percent from top to bottom during that period then in, let's call it 2000, when things started to go south, is amazing. I mean, we, 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 24-7 media, Accrue, Software, Adam.com, AdStar, Agency, Allaire, Allied Riser, all scripts. Well, there's Amazon. Amazon, by the way, down 83% top to bottom during that period. So there were opportunities as well, because everything got thrown out, to buy some incredible names. You know, we talk about Amazon's up, move up during the mid, well, during the 90s, but then it did crash uh, gotcha. also, Chance which is something. AutoWeb, AutoBytel, remember that one? Audible, At Home, remember At Home? These are just the A's. I mean, I can go on and on and on. E-Stamp. E-Stamp? Anybody remember E-Stamp, E-Prize, Engage, E-Music, E-Merge, El Cito, 
eloquent. Egghead. Remember Egghead? Egghead, very strong. Oh, my God. I only get up to the L's here. I don't know what happened. I think I, I, don't, I only have three pages. You should put but, that list on uh, CNBC.com. Yeah. See how many. It's an old list, yeah. but it, it is interesting. And we'll, we'll go back and read some more names. From you, the you know, Carl, one of the things that I've been hearing uh, behind the scenes, the, we asked the Treasury Secretary about the solar winds hack, and he said the vital stuff wasn't in. But I'm hearing from a little bit from Palo Alto when we had Nikesh Aurora on, but from some of these, you know, the octaves of the world, that the, the hack was, let's say, on an ocean liner. It spread right through the ocean liner. Had there been the traditional cloud passports that you get, this might have been stopped at, a, at the first bulkhead. So I want to know more about mm-hmm. whether, where we were in terms of our, are we up to date? Because I know that these cloud-based security companies would say, we would have caught this. This is old legacy, and that's what the Russians were targeting. Yeah, interesting. Uh, Palo Alto, by the way, um, key goes to overweight 391 from 350. I did see FireEye over the weekend, Jim, said about 50 uh, companies and organizations were genuinely impacted by uh, the hack of government networks. But, yeah, that's a, that's a great point. As, as we see names like Okta and Zoom are among the small number of uh, NDX components that are green today. Yeah, Okta should be up. up. You know, look, Okta is a passport company. People get confused. They don't understand it. There are passports on the web, and you have to look at it a little bit more like the way Europe was in the 30s and 40s, you know, well, in the 30s, where you had to show a passport when you went from country to country to country. And, David, the web can be divided and with bulkheads, but not if you have on-premises old software. Yeah, or your password is SolarWinds123. There's so many different things, but we spent so much money to try to be alert on, on these things. And right. the Russians, meanwhile, may have been in every, a lot of people's networks, including the governments and companies. Now they say since perhaps... Uh, long before the spring. Right. With um, solar winds, should they have added, you know how sometimes you add a, yeah. uh, an exclamation point, I mean, <laughs> add sign. You should they do one of those, like, like say you want to get on yeah, uh, NFL.com, you know, they make it. Yeah, you got to do extra. Add, add right? some extra. Well, the new sign. HBO Max, I think you have to put, maybe you have to have letters and numbers. Oh, my God, I can't remember half my passwords. Guys, we never even got to M&A, which continues uh, apace. No enormous deals, but certainly some deals. Maybe we'll get a chance to talk about them, though. Before we head to break, Let's do a quick bond report for you. Take a look at how treasuries are faring to begin this week. You can see yields are mostly lower. That is in reaction as as well to a new strain of the coronavirus resulting in those lockdowns throughout the U.K., some new travel restrictions as well to and from that country. Over in Europe, the yield on the German 10-year bund on track for its biggest daily drop in two weeks. Yes, it's negative 0.584%. Don't forget how many trillions of dollars are trading with negative yields right now in sovereign debt. The U.K. pound tumbling as well against the dollar. You can see it there. We'll be right back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. This past weekend marked the 15th anniversary of Squawk on the Street. It was the late Mark Haynes who kicked off the show in 2005. Live from the financial capital of the world in the heart of Lower Manhattan, this is Squawk on the Street. It's 9 a.m. on the East Coast, 6 on the West, 2 p.m. in London. I don't know what it is in Singapore. The opening bell is less than 30 minutes away. Good morning, everyone. I'm Mark Haynes. Here we are at the New York Stock Exchange, debuting a brand-new program for you, Squawk on the Street. We're going to take you right into the heart of the game. Uh, Jim kind of hard, and David, kind of hard to overstate what a sea change that was for the Squawk franchise. But, man, Mark had energy that is awfully hard to recreate. Well, I was down there one day, had me on, and, you know, you never knew. I mean, Mark would be unbelievable during the break. He'd be asking your kids, and you would ask about his kids. you come back, and Mark would say, you made some comments about real estate that really upset people. I want to know how you – and it's like, holy cow. I mean, that's Mark. No free pass. David, he would – I, I didn't see it coming. I always thought, well, the next question is about my daughter's uh, field hockey game. No. <laughs> Your next question is how could you have said something so outrageous? Yeah, no. He, he could be very tough, uh, Mr. Haynes. And, of course, he started the old squawk box. Let's not forget how long this franchise has been around. We were there at the beginning, I guess, yep. in 95 when, when Squawk Box uh, that was started off by Mark Haynes that very morning. I remember it well there. And then I can't believe, Carl, 15 years I don't. It's all a, a blur uh, in terms of time. If you told me it was five <laughs> years ago, I'd be like, "Yeah, that sounds right." I don't know. It's amazing, Carl. Uh, it goes. We didn't it, think about. Uh, I was at a hedge fund. When we started. It was my hedge fund. We put TV on because of Mark. He was talking about too many things that we needed to know about. Uh, and I remember sending him emails, furious at him, saying this, that, this, that. And he says, "Why don't you come on?" I said, "No, because I'm fat and bald. Forget." He goes, "No, that's exactly what we need." Okay. <laughs> I've, lost, I've lost 35 pounds since then, David, so I, well, I'm Well, I've got okay. a picture I'm going to share in a minute, actually, but... Mm-hmm. Well, Mark didn't like a lot of those companies well, we got, well, you know, uh, all right, here, you know, I was going through stuff lately. I don't know. Brian Steele's been going through his cabinet. I decided to go through some stuff on my desk that I'd had here, because I'm not in New Jersey or hadn't been for some time, so I piled things up, and I found this picture. I think we've got it. This was the old squawk box. I think, Jim... When you were a hedge fund manager, you just uh, referenced, and oh, there we are. I mean, that was it was more Le- Louis, Louis C.K. back then for you than it was uh, yeah, than it was Lenin. Such a good reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry. Well, that's, okay. that's all right. Um, but uh, and there's oh Mark, God. of course. I think that was the Business Council. Oh, but Carl. just sort of it does show that the, there's a lot of continuity here still, uh, Carl, with all three of us, of course, yeah. um, still going strong. Yep. Well, at the exchange, when we eventually go back, uh, we walk past a plaque uh, of Mark every day. Uh, So his memory hopefully still infuses what we do. We'll take a break here. We'll be back in a minute.
It's time to turn to my longtime colleague, David Faber, for the Faber Report. He's got his eye on Cablevision and how they might be ruining their shareholders' Christmas. <laughs> and I might add a well-rested-looking David Faber at that. Good morning, David. 7 o'clock, Mark. The alarm went off. 7 o'clock. Imagine that. It was great. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.